everyone tonight. It's good to see everyone. Thank you for being here in the second half of the week. I guess we're past middle of the week. And uh, if you're joining us online, assuming we're back online, we welcome you as a part. Remind you, tomorrow night is our uh, United Chosen United lock-in. So uh, 8 o'clock, right? Service is at 8, starts at 8. Starts at 8, uh, 8 o'clock, all right. Starts at 8, and again, as I said, it's a United event, so folks from uh, from uh, Antioch North and Antioch West are going to be here, part of that. So if you're a youth or young adult, I'm sure you would have a great time uh, being here. Amen. I'm, I'm going to transition on here. I, I don't know if, uh, not not necessarily sure if this is about to be teaching. I was trying to think. I think maybe the word um, perhaps is exhorting. And uh, I know, and I'm going to do the same thing I did. I'm going to actually share tonight the second part that I thought I was going to get to last uh, week and did not get to. Um, And so uh, I, I will be asking everyone that's especially a part of ministry to, to, um, uh, to please listen or watch, because I'd, I'd like to just uh, I'd like to just share a little bit, challenge us as a congregation this evening, if I could. Um, so again, I, I don't know that this is necessarily uh, going to be teaching per se. Uh, I didn't finish my point. I think the word exhort uh, may be kind of the word that fits. Um, so. Uh, if you want to go with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. And, um, and welcome to remain seated. We will probably read and comment here a little bit. So 1 Kings 10 and verse number 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She came to test and see if he really was everything he was said to be. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and Precious stones, and when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. I I want you to notice the way this next verse says this, and if I understand the way it says it, he told her, notice it doesn't say he answered, it says he told her all her questions. doesn't say he answered all her questions. It says he told her all her questions. Meaning, to me, he was prompted by the Spirit of the Lord that before she could even ask her questions, he was already answering them. If Solomon in the Old Testament 
was able to be led by the Lord in that way, how much more should we in the New Testament who have the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost inside of us, be led by the Spirit to be able to allow the Spirit of the Lord to speak through us, to answer questions before they're even asked. I'm not saying that every single question that a person has should be answered before it's asked, but my point is we should be able to expect that God is able to speak through us, to say things to people that we don't even know they need to hear, and yet the Holy Ghost is prompting us. And that is not intended for a secluded number of people. That's not, that's not intended for a few folks that have specialized gifts. The sons of God are to be led by the Spirit of God. It's not an exclusive group to be led by the Spirit of God. It is the sons of God are to be led by the Spirit of God. And so, uh, I, I, this is not really the primary focus, but I just feel to emphasize this for a, for a moment or two here at least. I, 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 I expect, I, I've come more and more to expect to hear somebody. doesn't happen every service, but it happens fairly regularly that somebody will, will come and tell me, you know, Brother Wright, I can't believe you preached that. I was just in a conversation yesterday and the very thing you just preached, we were talking about, I asked about, whatever. And he knows. He knows. So if he knows, he ought to be able to take care of it. And again, my, my challenge and my encouragement to you as individuals is you, have, you should have the expectation that if you've got the Spirit of God inside of you, you can expect Him to flow through you in that way. You know, I, I think, and I, I've come to learn this more and more, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, I, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm just going to take my time here, so I'm just going to take my time, okay? I, I, I'm not here to just necessarily teach. I I'm, I'm just feel to communicate some things in light of where we are and where we're going. So I think we have a tendency to, uh, uh, I'm, I don't know what the... <laughs> Not sure what the best word to use here is, but maybe sensationalize. Maybe that would be the word. We have a we have a tendency to kind of sensationalize some things. In particular, I mean that in regards to the gifts of the Spirit, because you know, for a long time, the gifts were about. You know, it, it wasn't quite this way here, but there was a little period of time. I think you could say this that. You know, it was about some special preacher coming who was, you know, kind of the pattern, the way I remember it, the pattern was he was going to read a few verses, but then after a few moments or so, he's just going to go start, you stand up, and he'd sit there and he'd read your mail. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not belittling that because my wife had one of, one of those guys call her by name as a didn't know her name, called her by name. I'm not again I'm not I'm not belittling but my point is I think the problem for us as believers and in our everyday walk with God we've made it about this sensational I don't know if mystical is the right word but 
You know, and I used to struggle. I, I'm, I'm hopefully trying to help somebody here for a moment. I, I used to struggle because I never called anybody out. I never read anybody's mail. And then finally I started realizing, wait a minute, after person after person would come up and say, you know, Brother Wright, what you preached today is exactly what I needed. I started going, hmm, maybe I really am hearing from God and I may not be reading your mail, but so my, my point to all of that is there's probably some of you that you don't even really realize how much God really is using you because you're not, you know, there's not goosebumps on your goosebumps. <laughs> Solomon answered her, all of her questions, or excuse me, he told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. It's, it's usually not this deep thundering voice from heaven. God doesn't usually preface what he's about to tell you by thus saith the Lord. Again, Elijah, depressed, discouraged, running, He's asked God to kill him. He goes, he hides out in a cave. He's called to the front of the cave. There was, I forget the exact order, but if I'm not mistaken, it was, it was, uh, there was an earthquake, there was a wind, and there was a fire. There was some very sensational things. And after each one of those things, the scripture specifically says, and the Lord was not in it. But then there was a still, small voice. Doesn't say, and the Lord was in it, but that's the implication. So we need to have the faith that God is able to answer questions before they're even asked. Because he knows. And we are the conduits through which he chooses to work. Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he built. I want you to notice the next couple of verses here and what's. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm exhorting you as pastor this evening. When she saw, when she had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers. I want to stop right there for a moment. What it's saying is, when she saw, when she heard Solomon's wisdom, but then when she saw all of this stuff, she was impressed by what she saw. 
she was impressed by the attention to detail. She was, she was, she was, she saw the meat of his table. She saw the sitting of his servants or, or, or the way his servants conducted himself, the attendance or the attentiveness of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers. She, she watched the way everything was done. And, and in a moment, it'll, it'll, it'll communicate this. She was deeply moved. By what she saw. I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit internally because I know partly where, where I'm, I'm going and what I'm here to communicate. And, and I feel like sometimes um, we, we, go, we go to both ends. We over-sensationalize stuff and then we just write stuff off as being sort of... So now the danger of the other part, we should do, and by, by we should do, I mean in every aspect, in every area, every area of ministry, everything that we do as a body should be done with excellence. Everything we do. If you are a deacon and you've got an oikos and you've got some kind of gathering of your oikos, you, you, you should do it with excellence. Our Sunday school staff should, and I believe they do, but our Sunday school staff should do everything they do to minister to our children with excellence. Everything we do ministry-wise, whether, whether you and I are doing it individually in the areas God's called us to do, or if it's anything we are doing collectively, it should be done with excellence. I was, I was doing my morning scroll this morning on Facebook for a few moments. I don't know how or when... Uh, an automobile became the platform, the setting for great motivational life-changing speeches. But it has become that. What really cracks me up is when it's being done is the person is driving down the road. I agree very much with Sister Yolanda. <laughs> I don't think that's the Holy Ghost prompting you to drive and talk. And, and, and so, you know, sorry, it's my own pet peeve. You, you may have gotten some of the greatest inspiration of your life by someone in the driver's seat of their car sharing their words of wisdom. But I, I, was, I was, and maybe this is just me, maybe this is just me, but I was scrolling and, and someone was doing one of those live feeds from their driver's seat of the car. Thankfully, they were parked, but... But but they they were sitting there and and I don't even I didn't I never even turn the volume on I wasn't even. First of all, I'm a little nervous. I think this is a, this is total unimportant sidebar. I think you can you can tap on that little um, mute button without going on to the actual thing so they don't know you're watching. I think because I really don't want them to know I'm watching them. So. <laughs> But but this person was like, I mean, they're talking and they're turning around. They're grabbing Kleenexes and wiping their face and all. The, 
And they were apparently trying to deliver some kind of very powerful word. But, but I, I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe I'm the only one like this. I didn't even really have much use to find out what the message was. Because the way in which if we're not careful and we don't pay attention to what we're doing and how we're doing it, we can turn people off before they ever hear what the Lord wants to say. That's why I've said it, and I'm going to say it again tonight, and I intend to say it in the future. To me, some of the most important people at a church service are the ushers and the greeters. Because if they begin before that person ever gets to a seat to make a connection and let that person feel warm and welcome, they're going to get to their seat and their spirit is going to be open and receptive. But if, if and we don't, to my knowledge, we don't have, I know some of you, uh oh, here we go. You know couldn't get through an evening. But I, I know some of you think we've got rude ushers or greeters, but they may just be a reflection Just, just, I said may. I didn't say they are. I said may. But if, if, if somebody has an encounter with a rude person, and by the time they get to a seat, their spirit, I, 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 myself or whoever's ministering that day, may have a word from God that is exactly what they need. But if they're closed off, they're not going to receive. She, she paid attention and saw how everything was done. Again, I, I think it goes without, I don't think I have to say it. Obviously, this fits with what we do in this building and other locations that we meet. But also, I'm not just talking about a church service. Not talking about this building. I believe that everything we do as a part of the kingdom of God, as a part of ministry, we should do it to the absolute best of our ability. I don't know if my wife is the one, I don't know if she came up with this, made this up on her own, or if she heard it somewhere, but I've heard her use it many times now and that people may not come to church because we cut the grass but they may not come back if we don't cut the grass it's not that we do those things to draw people but we do those things to show people we're serious about what we do We're not here because first and foremost, what we do is about bringing glory and honor to him. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Whatever you directed, and that works, that works tomorrow when you go to work. I'm sorry, you ought to be, you ought to be the best employee on your job. Bar none, you ought to be the best employee. 
If you're an employee, your boss ought to think you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. They ought to be, you ought to be the one, I, I, again, I know, I know this is not spiritual enough for some of you. Because you live somewhere up there. And those that have to deal with you down here don't want to deal with you. Whatever your hands find to do, you, you ought to be the best uh, customers at whatever restaurant you go to. That server ought to walk away from your table going, man, I wish every table was like that. I wish, <clears throat> I wish every table tipped that good. I do my best to tip well. You know, one reason is not the only well, one reason I do is I hope maybe I'll see that person in church someday. But I don't want them to walk into service. I get up to preaching like, I remember that guy. I had him at my table. He gave me a bad tip. You know, the... I don't think this is truly possible if you're doing if you're truly doing this. I don't think if you're genuinely heavy, heavenly minded. I don't think you can be genu- so genuinely heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. But I think you can be uh, fakely heavenly minded <laughs> that you are not of much earthly good. She saw the meat at his table the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which, no, get this last part, his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. And when she saw all of this, you, you could that last part there could be the way in which he worshiped, the way, he, the way in which they prayed. You can realize it's not, it's not literally saying that in those words, but that's the context. The ascent, the way they went into the presence of God. When she saw that, there was no more spirit in her. She fainted. <laughs> she was so overwhelmed by everything. She wasn't just overwhelmed by, by his ascent into the house of the Lord. Everything wasn't a mess and a disaster and unorganized and out of place. And then all of a sudden, it came time to worship. Everything was in order. Everything was done with excellence. And the icing on the cake was the way in which they worshipped and approached God and approached the things of God. There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold. Listen, look, look at this next part. I, I, I came because of all these reports, and not only were the reports true, not only was it true what I heard, the half was not told. Not only was it 
the things that I heard true. Not only was it an accurate, I mean, it wasn't an, it wasn't even an exaggeration. It didn't even come close to communicating the half of your prosperity and your wisdom. Oh God, let it be that when people have interactions with us, whether it's here or someplace else, that when we get done, they can say the same of us. Wow, I mean, I heard some good things about you, but it doesn't even come close. I heard about the way you love people, but wow, I got to tell you, after I've experienced it, it, it wasn't even an adequate description. Heard about the way you cared. I, I heard about the way you ministered. I heard about the way you served. But the description I heard wasn't even close. Howbeit, I believed not the words. I, I didn't even believe what I heard. I was skeptical of what I heard until I came, and my eyes have seen it. And behold, the hap was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth. The fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. Happy are thy servants. Which stand continually before thee. And that hear thy wisdom. Now you can go to a restaurant. And if you go to a restaurant. Depending whether it's sit down or fast food. Whatever. Either one. You're, to a degree you're going to get served. But we all know there is a big difference between somebody that is serving us, that's a sit-down restaurant, somebody that's serving us that has a pleasant attitude about what they're doing versus somebody that's doing it begrudgingly. It's not the same. Not the same. It's one thing to say, I hear, I hear a couple of people calling it out, but it's one thing to say my pleasure after every other word. <laughs> Sometimes it's a little much, no offense. My pleasure, my pleasure. You know, anybody can say that. It's another thing to say it and 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 show or, or communicate with your demeanor and your actions and, and your facial. It's another thing to express that. It's my pleasure. And I will acknowledge that most of my experience at Chick-fil-A is when somebody says that, they at least do a good job of faking it. They don't really mean it. <laughs> if we had any Chick-fil-A employees here, they, they need to give Sister Yolanda some gift card for, for her promo. Uh-huh. But there, there's a difference. So it wasn't just... You know, well, I, I saw your servants, I saw, the, I saw your attendees, I saw the ministers, I, I, I saw your cupbearers, you know, and they just were, here. No. 
I saw the way in which they did it. They were happy. They were happy to be doing what they were doing. You know, we have a tendency, there's several verses, we have a tendency to lock them in to financial giving. I mean, you, you, we, we, we think of them most of the time in the context of money. And, and um, one of those, and, I'm, and obviously there's application, one of those is the Lord loves a cheerful giver. But I don't think the only kind of cheerful giver a Lord loves is the one that's giving in the offering. I think the Lord loves someone who is a cheerful giver of their time, who is a cheerful giver of their gifts, who is a cheerful giver of their talents and abilities, that they do what they do with joy and happiness and thanksgiving, that, you know what, I know this didn't come from me anyway, and so a part of my act of thanksgiving and appreciation for what God gave me is to do what I do with cheerfulness. I saw the way in which they did what they did. They were happy. They were happy. The men were happy. The servants were happy. They, they, they continually stand before you and they're still happy. <laughs> they work hard and they're still happy. They're faithful at what they're doing and they're still happy. That is, to me, this is an example. It is a model of how we as a church should conduct ourselves in every way. In everything we do, whether it's ministry that's taking place on this hill or ministry that's taking place someplace else, Everything we do should be done with this kind of attitude and this kind of approach. I taught on this some last year. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it here tonight, but but Brother Grossbach writes in some of his books and teaches a lot about the nucleus. In his book, The Principles of Revival, I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs to you from that. He says this, The nucleus of a local church is a powerful thing. It works in harmony with its pastor. Amen. It works in harmony with its pastor. Boy, that's... Works in harmony with its... I didn't write it, I'm just reading it. It shares in the same vision and becomes equipped for real personal ministry that will certainly grow the church. You know what? I'll give you an example of this. I don't. Several holidays throughout the year to anchor kids' ministry. They'll they'll serve breakfast. They'll do some Christmas time. Those kids walk in there those mornings. I've had a chance to be at some and others of them. I've seen pictures and videos. Uh, those kids walk in there. It's not just food thrown on the counter in the fellowship hall. It's not just, le- there you go, here. No. Tables are decorated. Place settings are out. Things. 
you know what, you, you got five, six-year-olds that don't care anything about that kind of stuff. <laughs> They're not sitting around, wow, hey, I saw this type set up on Pinterest the other day. They did such a great, they don't care. But it's about the attitude and the spirit behind those that are doing it that says, you know what, I don't do this begrudgingly. I don't do this as an obligation. Or You can always tell whether somebody's doing something as an obligation and a duty versus it, do it being done motivated by their burden and their love. Because begrudgingly always is done half-heartedly. It becomes equipped for real personal ministry that will certainly grow the church. But allowing hypocrites and position seekers to move into places of authority is a gross error committed by too many pastors. I need to skip over this part because now it's shooting at me. So, And leaders, it can quickly tarnish the silver or worse, change it to wood and earth. What should have been glorious to God then becomes common and ordinary, not the materials on which... It's not the materials on which to base a real revival. The way to avoid this is to carefully decide who is with the leadership and the vision, who is receiving the equipping that is provided, and who is ready for real responsibility. Then and only then can we appoint these people, those in the nucleus, to positions of authority in the plan we have set for the expansion of church ministries. The way to avoid this is to carefully decide who is with the leadership and the vision, who is receiving the equipping that is provided and who is ready for real responsibility. Then and only then can we appoint these people, those in the nucleus, to positions of authority in the plan we have set for the expansion of church ministry. So again, this, this idea, there's a, there's a core group. I, 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 was, I, I, I had my, all my guys that were set to do this are not here. There's my three taps, they're all... Can you guys go go grab about six or seven chairs from that front row and and and, and bring them up here to me? I, I, this is this is uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you that I won't be secretive about it. This 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 analogy um, come from a book some of you probably read. It's called Good to Great, and um, I I heard about it for years, and I actually set them up like this. Thank you. I kind of ignored it because, uh, I don't know, to me, good to great just sounded kind of whatever, but it's actually got some really good principles. So that's good enough. Thank you. you can... So this is, this is the bus. It's only a single-sided bus. This is the bus. This is the bus. And, and here's... Here's what happens a lot of times. Now, Gus, you don't want to be on the bus, okay? So, all right? So, remember, you don't want to be on the, you, you don't want to be on. Gus, come on, man. I, we, we really want you on the bus. Come on. Come on, Gus. Get on the bus. Come on, man. Look, look. We got a, we got a seat for you on the bus. We got a place for you because the bus is going someplace. We've got a spot for you. You may have a little slouched attitude kind of look. Yeah. Come on, come on, Gus. We we want you. Come on, man. We want you on the bus. And so we've got a job for you to do. You know what happens to people like Gus, even though Gus is not really like this in his. You know what happens? They give you more and more of these things that I have on the side of my head. 
Because you know what? They get up and they start to get off the bus. No, please, 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 please. Don't leave the bus. Thank you. We're going someplace. We're trying to go someplace. And then I think Brother Isaac probably can do this. Then there's those that want on. (laughs) Yeah, and they want to get in the driver's seat when they belong in another seat. That's another, another one for another time. You're not the driver, sorry. <laughs> not this bus tonight. You know what happens, though, with these kind of people? They don't give you these. Because they have a passion and a desire. They want to go somewhere. They want to see something happen. I have made the mistake several times now. I'm trying to not do it anymore. I've made the mistake of doing like Brother Gus and trying to convince, really, you need, you want to be. No, really, you do. Please, please, come on. Oh, please. Man, that becomes a nightmare. Because if you got to convince them to get on the bus, you got to convince them to stay on the bus. And you got to convince them to do the job that got them on the bus. And then you end up doing the job for them while you're trying to keep them. It's an amazing thing when people who have a burden and a passion and a desire plug into where God wants them to be. Because you don't, you don't worry about them. You're not having to constantly prod and motivate. I'm going to say this to you. Again, this is not original analogy. I'm acknowledging that. I have a little bit of pet peeve when people steal somebody else's analogy and act like they came up with it themselves. So, It's kind of been said in a couple different ways over the last couple of months. It's been said in the sense that I've said it and others have said it and some things have affirmed it. It's one thing to say. It's another thing to get on the bus and be and do. And we're in a little bit of a shifting right now. You may not see it because there's still a few people that are sitting on the bus that don't want to be on the bus. And there's a few people that aren't on the bus that are dying for a slight crack in the door because they want to get on the bus. And let me tell you something. This bus, not because of any human, natural, whatever, but the bus is going someplace. It's already going someplace. But I'll say, I said it a couple weeks ago, and I'll say it this way tonight in this context. I, I am I am hopefully at the point, if I'm not there, I'm really close to the point. I'm not going to continue stressing myself out trying to convince you to get on the bus. And if you're going to get on the bus, you got to get on there with the right attitude and the right spirit. That this is going to be the best bus there is. 
And part of the reason it's going to be the best bus is because every one of us are going to do our part to make it that. And when I see others that are lacking and struggling, I'm not going to be the quickest to jump on criticizing. I'm going to be one of the quickest to see how can I help fill in the gap. You know what? There's an abundance of people that are happy to throw people under the bus. Quick to throw people under the bus. So I, I want to challenge you tonight. I, you can come back down, Brother Isaac. I, I want to challenge you tonight. If you already know, if you're already fulfilling your place, your purpose, or at least whether it's, it may not be the permanent thing God has for you, but it's where God has you right now. Do it, do it with everything you've got. Do it with excellence. Don't let anybody get you off the bus. Don't let anybody cheat you out of your purpose and your place. This is, this is I don't know if I should tell this or not. I don't really know that it fully relates. It just kind of came to mind. Elizabeth was riding with me to church, I think, last Sunday, and we were pulling in, and Brother Lewis and uh, I think a son or two were down there with their sign and waving. And Elizabeth told me she had told one of her coworkers about where she went to church. I forget exactly how it was said, but something to, along the lines of, oh, you go to that, you go to that black church. I thought, I thought, how great is that? And it just goes to show you the mindset of the world that we box things in. Again, I don't know that they really had anything to do with this. I just hit me and I thought that was a really great <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> ah. I'm 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 winding down. Again, I'm I'm not I understand that I understand that sort of, and I've noticed this more and more as my own personal time of listening to preaching and teaching, whatever. I, I really, the last thing I want to do is sort of undermine what I'm saying by whatever. I, I realize there's, there's some of, at least it seems to me, that this is something that we can sort of, you can hear me tonight and write this off as just something very frivolous or trivial. 
But again, I, I think there's plenty of things throughout Scripture that demonstrate to us, again, whatever the aspect is, that what we do, we should do it with excellence. We should do it to the best of our ability. We should do it with a good attitude and a good spirit. So, last couple of verses. Acts 16.25 At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Some of you may recall several months ago now I, I was using these verses preaching and got a whole new revelation, and my wife has really locked on to it, and we've had a couple conversations about this. And in fact, honestly, it was my hope and intent for her to share this at some point. Maybe she will. You know, I, I preach many times, Paul and Silas, and, and, and at midnight they prayed and, and, and they, they, prayed, they, they prayed and sang praises. And when they did that, there was a, an earthquake and, and, and the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And so I believe there's application in this, but I've always just used this in the application of, you know, our praise and our worship as a way of getting us delivered and set free. But if you remember, you may recall that night and the thing that was sort of a new revelation, if you will, was maybe Paul and Silas's praise and worship was not about how they got their deliverance. That Paul and Silas' prayer and praise was so that others could get their deliverance. It wasn't somehow, well, if we'll praise and worship, then we will get our deliverance. But it's if we will praise and worship, we will create an atmosphere so that others can get their deliverance. So I'm, I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I, I want to say this, and, and I'm going to try to say a couple of things very, um, I, I, I don't want them to come across. Some of you won't know what I mean by this, and I'm very happy for that. A few of you will know what I mean by this, and I'll let you be the ones that judge me. I, I don't want to come across or sound defensively, but I just I have a burden to make a point here to you. <laughs> I know, I understand, I believe, and, and uh, I think some of what you will see this year um, some of what you will hear in a couple weeks, Leadership Summit on the February the 9th is going gonna, is gonna to demonstrate this, which there's already plenty of things I feel like to demonstrate this, but I do not believe that the primary focus of everything we do is, is a church service. It's not. That's not the focal point of everything. But let's be honest, folks, this is a big part an important part of what we do. So I, I want to say that before I make this next point because I want you to understand this is not about making sort of the wrong thing our focal point. I'm just, it's about 
an attitude and a spirit and an approach about something that is a part of what we do. So I, I want to just I want to close out here for just a moment or two. In particular, challenging you, especially with regards to Sunday mornings. And I mean Sunday mornings here, but I also mean it in our other locations because the principles what I'm about to say apply in all of those settings. Our, our primary focus intent of a Sunday morning is not about you and I receiving. Bottom line is, really, bottom line is, no one service should be our focus of what can I get. No service. However, However, the nature of how we are structured and what we do, there are some services that are more geared toward us as the body as opposed to our guests and visitors. But Sunday morning especially is not about you. If you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you have been born again, Sunday morning is not first and foremost about you. And we need a we need to we need the Holy Ghost to baptize us with a Paul and Silas spirit. What I mean by that is that we will focus more than ever before on doing whatever is necessary, whatever we can, to create the kind of atmosphere that can provide the opportunity for whatever prisoners there may be to be loosed. And so we are creating a climate from the front door of the greeters, and and, and uh, he's not here tonight, but Brother Sowers down there with his music playing and, and greeting people and welcoming people into the building, to the greeters at the top of the stairs, to our wonderful ushers and greeters in the back, but to everybody else, it is a team effort. We do not have designated greeters, so the rest of us don't have to be friendly. Now, again, please, quickly, I'm going to say this. I continue to get every now and then somebody will, a guest, whether, whether they're visiting from another church or a, an unchurched person that will, you know, wow, yeah, your church is very friendly, very loving. I appreciate that. But let's be honest, we're, we're not as loving and friendly as we could be. So there's always room for improvement. So overall, I believe we do a good job. So that statement's not intended to be a rebuke. It's intended to be a reminder that, again, we don't have greeters, so the rest of us don't have to be friendly and loving and kind. <laughs> we all are contributors to creating an atmosphere where those that need to be set free have the best chance of being set free. And we need a, I believe, again, in, in general, we do a decent job, but we need a renewing and a reviving of the understanding it's not about us. Yeah. 
And it's about us doing anything and everything we can to provide the opportunity for those to receive what it is God has for them. I said it in the beginning, and I want to restate this. The verses I read to you from with the Queen of Sheba, I think there's application to what we do. There's application to how we do what we do. But I've, I've already said it. I'm not, I'm not, that's not focused on a certain specific area. It's in every aspect of everything we do. But again, as I close, we, 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 need to, we need a little bit of a renewed focus that this, it's not about me. Because the bottom line is, some of you have experienced this. I have, and I know others of you. There's others, I believe, that could testify to this. There have been plenty of times where I had a need. I needed something from God. I knew I needed something from God. But I chose to press past what I needed and put my focus on what somebody else needed. And in the process of ministering to somebody else's need, at some point I stopped and realized, wait a minute, as I was letting God minister through me, He actually was ministering to me in the process of ministering through me. So, I, I am... I'm gonna I'm I am have something new I am asking. In particular, if you're here and you're a licensed minister, and also if you are a deacon or a part of our Oikos ministry. And I'm gonna give you a little time as a start date, because you'll some of you need to make a few adjustments. But starting on February 9th. If you are in one of those roles, I am asking you to be here on Sunday morning in the sanctuary by 9.15 for prayer. And we are going to have a time of prayer. And then I will have a few words or somebody else, if I'm not here, will have a few words of encouragement, instruction, whatever related to that service. And then we will be here. It's kind of sad when guests beat many of our church members to church. And so part of this is about creating an atmosphere, which is why we're going to pray. We're not just going to fellowship. We're going to pray first because we are going to help create an atmosphere and a climate that makes it as much potential as possible for God to impact some lives. I realize some of you attend other places on Sunday mornings, and so you can apply this however you're able to. I know some of some of our facilities, based on that, there's there's restrictions or limitations, but we don't have limitations here. Where's the Sunday school Sunday school staff? I'm so time you guys get here. Nine nine fifteen nine thirty ish. Praise team was getting here at eight forty five, in light of what. I just announced to you, they will now be arriving at 8.30. 
And it's my understanding from my wife when she communicated this to the worship team that there was nothing but positive attitudes about this. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to say all this in a very positive and encouraging way. But I am going to insert this. If you don't want to be on the bus, you don't have to be. But I know I'm not the only one. I am certain I'm not the only one that not only wants to be on the bus, but you want to go somewhere. You don't want to just sit thinking and talking about where you could go. You want to go. So I'm asking that again, your licensed minister, if you are a deacon, because again, once we're done with that part of it, we will then be able and ready because I believe we are going to experience more and more harvest. And we need to be the Paul and Silas's that are creating the atmosphere. I've said it before. Half of you that are here were late tonight. And the majority of you that were late were late with a very valid reason. It wasn't tardiness. It wasn't rebellion. It wasn't none of those things. It was because the way your day is, the way a weekday is, I completely understand and respect that. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, though. I don't get that on Sundays. I don't understand how key, dedicated, committed people can show up on Sunday morning after 10 or Sunday evening after 6. Again, this is not all about church, but the bottom line is if we're going to come and have a church service, we need to make it the best it can be. It needs to be effective. It needs to be impactful. God needs to work and move. And we know that the devil can't stop God. And I don't know that you and I can necessarily stop God, but we sure can hinder God. So, I, I, I'm challenging whatever, whatever aspect or area of ministry you're involved in, and again, take it all the way down to your personal daily lives. As followers of Jesus Christ, everything we do. I, I, I'll tell you how I live. I live... I don't have the time to, for it to be the absolute best there is, but I think my yard, physical, literal yard at my house, should not be a dump, should not be an eyesore in my community. It may not be the best there is in the neighborhood, but it ought to, there, people shouldn't ride by and go, oh my goodness, what in the world is that? Because I think it ought to impact every aspect. Everything we do, we should do it with excellence because the one we're doing it for didn't hold anything back. So your individual personal lives, ministries you're involved in, whether they're outside of this facility, this location... 
or what we do here should be done to the absolute best of our ability as a way of us honoring and giving glory to Him. And we should do whatever we can to create the environment and atmosphere, again, so that people have the best chance and opportunity to receive what God has for them. Father, I thank you for the privilege you've given each one of us. I thank you for the privilege you've given me of being a part of your kingdom. I, uh, I know, God, it's got nothing to do with worthiness, earned it, none of those things. It's only by your grace and mercy. But I thank you, God. And I thank you that none of us are here to just be spectators in your, in your kingdom, in your work, in your church. Every one of us are members with a purpose. We have, some of us have primary areas in which we serve. and Others of us have multiple things we do, multiple areas. But I pray, God, that you would let the, the same way, the same attitude and spirit with which Solomon conducted himself and approached the service of his house and your house, that you would grant that to us. God, that everything we do for you, everything we do unto you, that we would do it with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, all of our strength, because ultimately it's done as an act of worship to you. So help us. God, I pray that you would revive and renew within us as a congregation the recognition, the, the, the focus that we do not exist simply for ourselves. That we're not here, God, just to see what all we can get from you, get out of you, but we have been called by you for a purpose, to flow through us, to work through us, to minister through us. And so, God, in every aspect of our lives, whether it's on this hill or other locations, we want you to be able to do all that you desire through us. We don't want to be a, a cap or a restriction on what you can do, God. We want to be a conduit through which you can freely work and flow. Revive us, renew us, refresh us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday. Pray you have a blessed remainder of your week. In Jesus' name.